We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, everybody. What is happening? We welcome you to, what do they call this? Voices of Distance or Distance of Voices or something like this. I want to introduce you to the greatest collaboration of play-by-play announcers in any one conference in the country. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Big 12 play-by-play announcers. Guys who actually do like each other and just don't pretend they like each other at conference functions. First off, it's time for roll call. I'm Tony Caridi, the play-by-play announcer at West Virginia. Please welcome to the panel the esteemed broadcaster from Ames, Iowa, the voice of the Cyclones of Iowa State, John Walters. Good afternoon, everyone. Absolutely. Please welcome the voice of the Cowboys of Oklahoma State, Dave Hunziker. Great to be with everybody. And uh, we're legends in our own minds. That's absolutely true. From out west, the Red Raiders of Texas Tech, welcome the voice, Jeff Haxton. Hi, Jeff. Hello. Proud to be holding down the outpost out west. Yeah. I don't know how your gallery is shaping up, folks, the way you're looking at this, but the gallery I'm looking at is the Man in the middle, the Paul Lind Hollywood Square, the voice of the Kansas Jayhawks, Brian Haney. Hello, Brian. Hey, hey, what's up, guys? Rock Chalk Jayhawk. There we okay. First shots in. Ladies and gentlemen, let's head out to Waco, Texas. This guy is actually bigger than Chip and Joanna, the voice of the Baylor Bears, John Morris. Nobody's bigger than Chip and Joanna, but great to be with you guys. All right, let's head to Fort Worth, Texas. Our man in purple who's bearded up just for this event, the voice of the Horned Frogs, Brian Estridge. Does Brian Haney know the Paul Lynn Boy Scout joke? Does he know no that No chance. One? Okay. <laughs> we can hear that one later on. Save we'll it. We'll get, get to, to that. Let's go yeah. to Little Apple, Manhattan, Kansas, the voice of the Wildcats of Kansas State, Wyatt Thompson. Hi, Wyatt. Well, hi, guys. Great to be with you. There's pretty sunshine here and no wind. Figure that out, huh? It's Never yeah. happens in Kansas. Exactly. And lastly, but not leastly, the voice of the Sooners of Oklahoma, Dr. Toby Rowland. Toby. Thank you, Tony. Uh, and I think you only said it's the greatest collection of play-by-play voices because Craig Way is not with us today. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Red oh, River Showdown, baby. Hey, what do you yeah. expect? So at any point, folks, we may get uh, Craig Way, who's the voice of the Longhorns of Texas, the last we heard, he was having some transmission problems. We don't know if that's Longhorn Network related or not, but we're just going to move on. He, he may Zoom bomb us at any Tony, point. He just, uh, Tony, he just texted. In the state of Texas, we're starting to open things up a little bit. J-Mo can attest to that. Uh, he's actually calling a church league softball game right now. Uh, they're back at it. And so he, he might be a while, but he'll yeah. get here when he can. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I got man's got to eat. All right. So yes. let's jump in here, guys. We're going to do a bunch of different topics. Some of these. Oh, hey, hey, hey. oh my. There he is. Speak of the devil and Amazing angels. Amazing what it. 
it's amazing what a uh, quick borrow of a modem will do. So <laughs> good to have you. So with welcome us, to you. Craig Way of the Voice of the Longhorns. Hi, Craig. How are you, fellas? It's good to see you. You too. Same here. Same here. So, guys, now that everyone is assembled, we're just going to kind of jump around here, and um, there are no rules other than if anyone talks too long or too much, in other words, play-by-play -play guy that goes into a filibuster or rain delay, I did bring this out. <laughs> that means wrap it up. All right, here we go. Question number one. You guys can jump in. Anyone can go first, or I might even call them out here. Here's the question. If you had to wear another school in the Big 12 Conference's sweatshirt, which school would you wear? John Walters. <laughs> I'm going to say Oklahoma State. It's a tough call because I love all you guys, but it's another land-grant university, great people. And uh, we've had agriculture got to stick them. together, right? Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm, got to stick together. Okay. All right, Toby Rowland. I got a hunch it's not going to be burnt orange. What sweatshirt do you wear? <laughs> I would go with uh, Iowa State because it's close to the same color and I turned it inside out. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan okay. Estrick, you're a man that loves your purple. Who are you wearing? You know, I would probably wear your West Virginia blue, but I would only wear it if the state logo was on it, because I always thought it kind of looked like this. <laughs> <laughs> so I would just I would walk around with that on my chest all the time. There is a thing that they do here with the two panhandles, but it's... Yeah. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> all right, I'm interested. Dave Hunziker, who are you wearing? Well, it kind of make, helps you. You know, there was a longtime politician from West Virginia named Bird, so I guess where the shoe fits, wear it. Uh, <laughs> Iowa State... Yeah because they have breaded pork tenderloins and it's close to home. So when I go to Ames, I get my tenderloin and I'm happy as could be. So John Walters, back at you, buddy. Right. I need a tenderloin. Very good. Jeff Haxton, who are you wearing? Uh, since I went to a place that uh, was wearing orange, Dave, um, mm -hmm. I think I might get in a little trouble if I said Oklahoma State. I've always <laughs> had a fondness in my heart for Kansas State because I think Kansas State and Oklahoma State are a lot alike, so I'll put on the purple with K-State. Okay. Ryan Haney, I'm interested to know. Who are you wearing? I still have half a closet full of scarlet and black Texas Tech stuff. <laughs> and in my office, I've still right. got a Pat Mahomes helmet behind me here. There so, you go. That's an easy choice. I genuinely believe I work for the two schools with the best color scheme in the whole Big 12. So give me Texas Tech and KU. Interesting. Interesting observation. You just took a shot at eight other people. Okay. John yeah. Morris, who are you wearing? <laughs> It's a tough call. I'm going to say Oklahoma State being the, the only other school in the league that I have actually done a game for. So I'm going to say Oklahoma State. Okay, very good. Yeah. Wyatt, I'm, I'm interested to know, what do you got? Well, as you guys know, I look virtually perfect in all colors, <laughs> but best in purple. So I'm going to go TCU. That's the easy go. way out. Right? All right. Really yeah. good. All right. Craig Way, what are you wearing? Uh, it's probably going to be green, which would be Baylor, because my alma mater, the University of North Texas, was green. So I was a member of the mean green. It's a slightly different shade of green. So it would probably be green. Okay. I'm sending you something today, Craig. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> really good. Really, that, that's really nice. Uh, I went to a school that was orange. Um, I'm going to – this will get me hurt in West Virginia. I'm going Kansas. Haney, I do like your colors. I like the, I like the blue. I like the red. I do – I do like your colors. All right. I knew you were a man with great taste and a tremendous sense of fashion. Excellent. Yeah, very good. Let's go sports-wise now. And this is going to be a little bit of a reflection question. In your years of broadcasting, which loss did you broadcast which was the most painful for you to do? Which one hit you right in the gut and didn't leave you for You know the kind of loss, guys, that when you go to bed that night and you roll over a little bit, you still keep thinking about the loss and you ask yourself, how did that happen? So which one was it? Let's start off this time with Craig. Craig, which one sticks with you? I don't think it's going to surprise anybody. It, it probably makes all the sense in the world. It's 2008. Longhorn football team is undefeated. They've risen to number one in the nation. Uh, they had beaten Oklahoma. Uh, and, and we're going through a stretch of four teams ranked in the top ten and had beaten Oklahoma, Missouri, and Oklahoma State all in succession. They go to Lubbock. The uh, infamous – uh, Michael Crabtree catch there after Blake Gideon had dropped an interception in his hands on the play before. Texas falls 39-33 to the Red Raiders. They go on and, and, uh, and 
and uh, wind up uh, winning the Fiesta Bowl over Ohio State. But that one's certainly painful because they thought they had a legitimate shot to play for, if not win a national championship. They still right. talk about that one out here a little bit, Craig. No doubt. I would imagine. Brian Estridge, what sticks with you? I still don't know how we lost that basketball game at Lubbock this year. Uh, that one still kind of hurts. Uh, what, was it, what was that point differential action? 41? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Don't forget what happened to your place. Yeah, yeah, that's true. There was a, uh, it was a football game between uh, TCU and Baylor a few years back. That What was the final on that one, uh, J-Mo? Was it 62-59, something like that? Uh, that'd be 61-58 is the way we Yeah, 61-58. Yeah, I, it's hard for me to remember. Uh, yeah. the, uh, but, uh, that one was, uh, was, was one just a shootout. I mean, somebody had to lose in the end, but it was a, it was a great game. Uh, I mean, it was, a, if you're a fan, it was a fun game to watch and that one probably hurt the most. Yeah. Hey, Wyatt, what about you? Mine is pretty simple and most would probably think that I would select football, but for me, this one is basketball. Go back to the, uh, regional final in 2010 in Salt Lake. We had just beaten a really good savior team in double overtime. And with three minutes to go, we're up on Butler. But as you know, Butler won the game and went on to play in the national title game. I still believe, had K-State not had to be pushed to double overtime in that win against Xavier, maybe they would have had enough because they gave Butler as good a game as most. That was, a, that was a hard one to swallow. Yeah. Toby, what about you? I think mine would be basketball, too. And it would probably be um, against your Mountaineers, Tony in the uh, Big 12 tournament in 2016 when uh, we thought Buddy had hit the half-court shot to win it and, uh, and they waved it off only after he had crawled into the crowd and I had expended every vocal cord that I had and uh, they waved it off. And that feeling was just devastating because you went from the highest high to uh, a gut punch. I still think it should have counted. The ribbon board still had a point one on it, in my opinion, <laughs> but that one was tough. You know, that is one of the all-time, in my opinion, great sports pictures as well because he's looking toward the crowd and everyone has that look of absolute astonishment in the crowd mm -hmm. on their faces. Fran Fraschella, the whole gang is all up. It was, it was an amazing, amazing shot. All right, jumping ahead. John Walters, which loss that you broadcast still hurts you? Let me just look in my vast library of excruciating losses <laughs> at Iowa State. <laughs> Looks like most of them are against Kansas State. I'll select the... Uh, 2015 game in Manhattan where Paul Rhodes probably keeps his job if we just take a knee with 131 to go at a seven-point lead. And somehow, inexplicably, we not only lose the game, but we lose it in regulation. So uh, it really did probably cost Paul his job. So it gets personal there. I mean, it wasn't a big stage or a big game with a lot on the line. But when you talk about grasping uh, defeat from the jaws of victory, that's exactly what we did that day. Yeah, and the game was over. Choice. Fumble to choice. Yeah. Yeah, that hurts. Dave, what about you? Oh, it's easy. Uh, football 2011 at Iowa State. Uh, Oklahoma State was 10-0. and Brandon Whedon was the leader in the Heisman Trophy race. Looked like he was going to win it. Oklahoma State was headed toward the national championship if it could win its last two games. And Iowa State was a big underdog. And they played a wonderful game and, and beat us. But And that was such a hard day the previous day. We'd lost Kurt Budke and Miranda Cerna and the Brandstetter couple in a plane crash. And Coach Budke was a, was a good friend. And, uh, oh, my gosh. I mean, you just – I remember going home. Well, first thing, I'll, just two quick stories. We take TV after the football game, and we drove from Ames to Des Moines with Coach Gundy. We had an, a, a separate car, and not a word was said until we got to downtown Des Moines, and Coach Gundy looked over and said, was the field goal good? Quinn Sharp had a chance to win it in regulation. And had the kick been in the NFL, it would have been good. In college, because the rules are different, it was no good. And then second, when I got back to Stillwater, it was just mentally just a complete mess. I just went and sat in Gallagher-Ibo Arena. And the seats that Budke always got for our family, and we went, I just sat there and just I needed at 4 o'clock in the morning some time to get my thoughts together. Not so much because of the game, but because of the loss of uh, sure. Coach Budke and Coach Cerna. That was uh, one of those days in a career is enough. Yeah. Obviously, the loss was one thing, but what happened to Coach Budke and Cern and the Brandstetters took it to a whole new level. Sorry for the long story. No, that was good. I appreciate that. John Morris, what about you? Which one hurts? 
Uh, why it might have been the same weekend of the one you talked about that lost to Butler. It was the NCAA tournament in Houston, Baylor and Duke in the regional final. Six-point game, three and a half minutes to go. Block charge call went uh, Duke's way. Amazing how that happened. But uh, Duke went on to win the game. Baylor had won that game, would have gone to the final four. That was in Houston. There was a crowd of like 41,000 and 30,000 people were Baylor fans. So it was a great atmosphere. Baylor was right there, but uh, came away with a loss. Jeff Haxton. DeAndre Hunter in the corner in Minneapolis with just a few seconds left before your national champions. Um, the, the roller coaster of emotions just getting there for the first time ever in the school's history. Um, not ever feeling like either team really had control, but getting the big bucket to take the lead. And then you see, even from our seats that were on the other side, you see the defense collapse and you see the lottery pick hanging out in the corner, ready to jump up and hit a three and send it to overtime. You weren't terrible in the overtime. When it was over with, we have Colin Baxter, who's a, uh, a young adult who's lost his eyesight. And he had his, uh, his uh, dog down there, Chase, his service dog. And I tried to imagine him not being able to see it, only relying on our words, the heartbreak of being this close to a national championship in basketball. Texas Tech only has one national championship period, and that came in track and field last spring. So this would have been really uncharted territory. And I just held him for a good three minutes, uh, my arm around him with him sobbing uncontrollably. And with that confetti coming down, it was just, it was an amazing, hard loss, one that I still haven't watched the replay of. Yeah. All right, Coach Brian Haney, what do you got for me? My first year as voice of the Jayhawks, we had Frank Mason, the National Player of the Year, the number one seed of Jayhawks, playing in their own backyard at the Sprint Center in Kansas City. 2017 regional final opposite of Oregon. We thought we had it all set up. Josh Jackson's on that team, number four pick in the draft. But Jackson was on the, the wrong end of a tough whistle early, got in foul trouble. Oregon was just hitting threes left and right. Jordan Bell was the best athlete on the floor. And I think to this day, we wonder, had Yudoka Azabuki not gotten hurt 11 games in, we would have had any kind of rim protection opposite of Bell, any type of athleticism inside, does KU find a way to win that one? But when you got the best player in the country, you feel like you have the best team, and you're essentially playing at home for the Elite Eight and a chance to go to the Final Four, that one will always stay with me. Gotcha. Uh, from our perspective, uh, West Virginia 2007, 20-plus point favorite. All they have to do is win their last game of the regular season at home against our tribal pit. And the set was on to go play for the national championship. And Pat White, great quarterback, gets hurt early. West Virginia never finds a way, loses 13-7. to seven. Um, mm -hmm. And there was your shot. I think they legitimately had a chance not only to go play in it, I think with their speed, uh, they probably – I had a heck of a chance to win the whole deal. All right, very good. Next question is this one. Try to keep this uh, super quick, boys, so we'll do it really quick. If you were not a play-by-play -play announcer, what are you doing for a living? Craig Way. History teacher. Brian Estridge. I'd be a master distiller at Jack Daniels. <laughs> Wyatt Thompson. I would be farming. Farming. Toby. My dad's a pastor. I got three uncles that are pastors, and both my grandfathers were pastors, so I Preach. probably would be in the ministry. Yeah, yeah so you'd still be talking. John yeah. Morris. Toby, hate to follow that, but I'd say the same thing. I'd love to go into that field. Awesome. Brian Haney? Make-A-Wish Foundation, pairing kids with their sports heroes. Perfect. Jeff Haxton. Lowe's Outside Lawn and Garden, uh, Alumni <laughs> 2000. <laughs> I like it. I like it. John Walters, what are you doing? Still something sports related for sure, either sports writer or sports information. Okay. David? Driving a golf driving range tractor and picking up golf balls. Very good. Very <laughs> Having to get off the cage. I, uh, I haven't done it, but I, I would, I'm intrigued. I want to ask you, well, auctioneer. Don't you think auctioneer would be kind of fun? Kind there of like you go. play by play. Yeah. You got that. I've always time. said, Tony, that there were two elocutionary skills that I wanted to learn as a broadcaster. And those two were how to call an auction and how to call a square dance. And if you could do those two things, I've done ballroom dancing. Yeah. yeah. My dad was an auctioneer and a pretty good one too. So I, I guess that would have been option number three for me. Ballroom yeah. dancing. All you got to do is say, here comes Susie with the cha-cha. 
<laughs> done it. Hey, Wyatt, sounds like you... one of your home run calls, Hacks. <laughs> the cha-cha muchacho. There you go. Hey, like Wyatt, that. can you break into the auctioneer for us? You got any of your dad in you? <laughs> I don't. Oh, yeah, I, I really, tr I can't even really honestly fake it. But he did it for about 40 years and was really good at it and worked with a really good partner and they loved every second of it. I, I inherited a lot from him, but not that skill, unfortunately. Yeah. Okay, here we go, boys. X is an O round. You ready? Yeah. Football question. You're down by five points. There's five seconds to go in the game. You've got the ball on the opposing team's eight-yard line. What quarterback that you've broadcast during your career, one of your guys, runs the play? I got a hunch, Craig Way. I know who you're going to say, but go ahead. Who do you got? <laughs> well, it's interesting you bring that up because it was fourth and five at the USC eight-yard line uh, with 26 seconds to go when uh, Vince Young does take the snap, rolled right, and uh, got a great block out front, a clearing block, and took it right to the house and scored with 19 seconds to go on the game. And Texas wins the national championship, and that was on fourth and five at yeah. the USC eight-yard line in the uh, January 2006 Rose Bowl. Yeah, that's where I thought you would go. Brian Estridge, who's your QB? Oh, it's got to be the redhead, Andy Dalton. Uh, you know, it's, it's got to be him. He, he was a winner in and out. And he, you know, he's going to get it done. Yeah. John Walters, who you got under center? I'm going to go with our current guy, Brock Purdy. He's got uh, 22, 21 school records. He just finished his sophomore year. Um, we haven't had one better than him. Wow. Jeff Haxton, who's your signal caller? Well, it would be Pat Mahomes. I didn't get to call his um, track meet with Oklahoma. Toby Rowland did. But every now and then while my son's playing Madden, I'll call that play for him <laughs> as he's uh, flinging it all over the yard. Yeah, he'd be the guy. Brian Haney, who do you got? I got this guy right here, T.O. Double Trouble, Todd Reging, the Texas gunslinger. <laughs> uh, Bob Davis was on the call for his career, but I covered him, obviously, being up here. Nobody was better when it comes to improvising the capability. He was clutch. He had swagger. He was amazing. Give me Todd Reesing any day. Are you going to Are you gonna have a prop for every question, Haney? <laughs> this office, I, I just might. I was wondering that, too. Yeah, that's I've got Bud Stallworth on the wall and Will Chamberlain over here, so we'll see. Yeah, when we get into the show-and-tell round, wait till you guys see Coach Self step in. You're going to really enjoy yeah. that. Oh. Hey, Wyatt, what do you have under center? I'm going to go with L. Roberson. And back in 2002 and 2003, uh, that 03 team was the Big 12 champions beating a really, really good Oklahoma team. And I'm going to somehow implore him to get the ball to Darren Sproles, uh, whether it is a, a run or a throw or whatever. But yeah. those two cats were really, really electric type players and probably as good as any we've had in the time that I've been here covering 18 years. Yeah. When you say right, cats, Dave Hunziker, I'm interested. Where are you going? Oh, Brandon Whedon, without a doubt, really? uh, without any doubt. Arm strength and his presence. The part of the issue here would be he'd get in the huddle and all 10 guys around him would have zero doubt that he would make a play. None whatsoever. He had a unique presence and unearthly arm strength. He, he's a guy. And then he'd be great talking about it afterwards. Yeah, but he was older than you. <laughs> he has more hair. But, yeah, he, yeah he's, uh, he's tilting some age. John Morris, who you got? I don't know if this is predict as predictable as Craig's answer, but uh, I would go with our man, RG3, oh, yeah, sure. Robert Griffin. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Toby, you've seen a few quarterbacks. Uh, there are some that would argue that in the last 20 years, the best uh, quarterback for OU was Chris Sims. But I would say probably <laughs> Baker, Baker Mayfield would be my answer. Baker Mayfield. <laughs> by the way, uh, there's the Sooner shot across the bow. The, uh, to, to go back to uh, – to, to uh, what Brian was saying, Baker Mayfield, of course, from Lake Travis High School uh, down here in the Austin area. Todd Reesing started that whole quarterback uh, really showcase parade of outstanding quarterbacks who went on and played uh, college football. Like Michael Brewer was at Texas Tech. There were, there were several that all came out of Lake Travis High School, and it started with Todd Reesing. And, of course, Baker Mayfield as celebrated as any of those. Yeah. Okay, guys, let's do a broadcast question. Which Big 12 analyst, other than the guys that you work with, would you like to broadcast a game with? So which one of our counterparts would you like to swipe or swap, so to speak, and broadcast a game with? Brian Estridge, you are, uh, I mean, you and John Denton, um, almost as good as in rhythm as peaches and herb, but if you had to get yeah. rid of John, 
who do you go with? I'd still John's guy, Pat. Or uh, I, I think that he's really good. I think Pat is an excellent basketball analyst. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I, think he's a, I think he's the best analyst in the league in basketball. I'd steal him. Yeah, fine. Fine. Very, very austere-looking gentleman as well, John. Yes, he, he is. He always, fine, gentleman. He always looks, fine, always looks so good. Austere. Very nice. Thank you. Very I'll pass that along. Uh, John Walters, who would you like to broadcast with? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the, the easy way out and pick three of them. But uh, Chris Lovell, Greg Gurley, and John Denton, for all, all for the same reason. All three of those guys would make me laugh. I know that. So fun guys to be around. I'd pick any of those three. All right. Dave Hunziker. You know, David Lawrence is kind of a special guy because he really connected with my daughter when she was working on the broadcast. And of course, David is, is, was a teacher for a number of years. So I'd go with David. I think we're kind of on the same page on a lot of things. And uh, my daughters would be happy. All right. J-Mo. As entertaining as it would to sit alongside uh, Eric Heft. Uh, not that that wouldn't be a good choice. I'm going to say John Denton at TCU. So, uh, J.D. of the Horn Frogs. Very good. Brian Haney, what do you got? I'm realizing how blessed I am to get to work with so many popular guys like Gurley and David Lawrence. But uh, J.D. at TCU reminds me a lot of Gurley. Always seems like he has a drink in his hand and he's having a good time. <laughs> Kevin he does. That's what it felt, feels like. It'd be a, a scotch-required situation, yeah, right? It would. Yeah, throw in Ron Burgundy and we'd have a party. But uh, give me Kevin Henry as well. He'd be on my list, too, from Oklahoma. Yeah. yeah. Jeff Paxton, what are you going with? Kevin Henry kind of sounds like a cowboy, and I'm kind of a redneck. I would put him on my list. And then I would have uh, John Holcomb because he and I uh, hosted a show together for three years in Tulsa, went to church together in Bixby, Oklahoma. Really good friends. Uh, those would be my two. Yeah. Uh, Wyatt, what are you up? Well, this one is a hard one for me, and I'll make it as quick as I can. But my guy is pretty versatile. I, my color guy does both football and basketball. And so I would probably lean on somebody that does that in the league. So I could do a John Denton, certainly. I could do Eric Heft, who would definitely make me laugh. But I'm going to go with the guy who also has a little bit of TV experience, too. I, I love him as a person. I love him on the air. I'm saying John Holcomb at Oklahoma State. Okay, very good. Toby, who do you got? This is going to go to Holcomb's head. Uh, John Holcomb is one of my <laughs> favorite people on the planet. We are great friends. We worked together for a decade in television. We survived. Uh, well, I survived. He's still with Dean Blevins. So um, John, John Holcomb would be my answer. Okay. Uh, Craig? I would alternate. Holcomb and Denton on football and basketball, just let them swap back and forth since they both do both anyway. And I've known J.D. For, since the early 80s anyway. And then for baseball, I'm going to just throw this in. And, and anybody who's listened uh, to the great Rex Holt do Oklahoma State baseball knows about the chief, Matt the Davis. The chief. I would have to have the chief as the analyst on baseball because Got I don't me know in there too, have Greg. a straight face all the way through it. It'd be great to have the chief. He's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Hey, hey, Brian, Astridge, I'm having short-term memory loss. Did I ask you on this or not? Yes. Yeah, 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 I did. Who, yeah. What was your answer? Oh, Pat. Pat, it, Pat, off Pat, Pat. yeah. Okay. What about you, Tony? Yeah. That's a great question. I love David Lawrence. I love all well, those. Your I truly do. I think, I think we all love the other guys. You know why? Because we don't work with them. That's why we love them. Right? Yeah. <laughs> That's probably right. Uh, but, no, I like all those guys. Uh, Can we vote for which color guy we'd like to give to someone else? Yeah. <laughs> I would only say this. I would only say this. Let me think. Wait a second. Dean doesn't come with anything, right? Here's my deal. My, the combined age of my two color analysts is, and I'm not exact, this is true number, is 153 years old. <laughs> That's true. That's not made yeah. up. That's true. I just, I love them. I love them. Um, okay, here we go. Most embarrassing moment ever on a microphone. Dave Hunsicker. Oh, let's oh, pick one. Um, probably interviews I botched as a college student with Major League Baseball players. I won't give any details. It was absolutely horrific. I had no idea what I was doing, and that's not changed over the years, but I really had no idea what I was doing there, and it was a great lesson in preparation. So if you wonder why sometimes I seem overly prepared, when you've been embarrassed at age 19, it tends to stick with you. And oh, by the way, the National Weather Service in Norman has issued a Scotch-required situation alert. So after this is over, 
we are compelled to have our scotch, just so you know. We got all these weather people here, so we're then good. they'll hook you up. Yep, I'm with you. John Morris. There have been so many through the years. It's hard to pick one. Uh, I, I would say this. The one that kind of sticks with me and comes to mind first is, you know, we have a tendency to change coaches for one reason or another. And if you get a new coach in and you want to ingratiate yourself to him, but you call him by the wrong name of the former mm -hmm. coach, that's not a good situation, and I've been in that situation. So I'll leave it at that. Yeah, you'll have that. Toby. I mispronounced Marshall Falk's last name on TV one hey. night at Channel 9 hey. and survived somehow. What did you Marshall call him, Smith? Uh, no. <laughs> but um, my first year as play-by-play, -play, uh, we won a game in Lubbock, and the biggest play of the game was a pick six. And I called it Javon Foster pick six Sooners win. As far as I know, everything went well. I was driving home from Lubbock and I heard the highlight come on ESPN radio and Javon Foster had the pick six and we don't have a player named Javon Foster. There's no such person <laughs> as Javon Foster. I, we have a Foster or we had a Javon and Texas Tech had a Foster and somehow they got mixed in my head and I completely botched the biggest play of the game. So that was yeah. uh, it's a long drive home. One of them. And yeah, you'll have, you'll have that. John Walters. Uh, early days as a local sportscaster. You use every minute possible before that 620 sportscast starts on TV. Uh, they come in and say the weather computer broke down. You're on now. I run out there. I tried to ad lib my way through a three minute sportscast. And my intern was sitting under the desk and handing scripts up to me one at a time, <laughs> trying to guess what I was going to talk about next. <laughs> uh, tennis. Yeah, let's talk about uh, Bjorn Borg. So it was beyond brutal. Yeah. <laughs> Brian Estridge. You know, I don't know that my, mine wasn't necessarily on the air. It ended up being embarrassing because of the people who saw it. But we were at Northwestern calling a football game, and I spilled a cup of coffee all over my pants, light khaki pants. And I, I mean, it just – it was all over me. And it, I was in the uh, – it, it was in the end of the second quarter. And so I decided I was going to take them off to dry them out. So I took them off, and I, and I hung them right – out front of the uh, booth because there was a ledge on of the wireless antenna. <laughs> and so they're flopping in the wind and all of a sudden they blow off and they're gone. And I had to send, That's I had not to a send true story. Guys yes, it is. It is. It's a true story. I had to send a guy down into the stands to get my pants so I could put wow. it back on for the ride home. But I yeah. spilled it all over me. Yeah. And, uh, and so they're all saying. No, well, no one heard that. They're all saying that's how they roll in the press box. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. What's happening that, up there? These pants flying. That that, that adds great. to a whole new definition of getting your pants beat off there. Absolutely. Yeah. No joke. <laughs> Jeff Haxton. Well, I can't believe now that I'm thinking about this that I said I'd wear the K-State sweatshirt because <laughs> at Kansas State, about the fourth inning, a hornet drills me in the leg through my slack pants. I had pants on. I couldn't be. I don't know why. I had my slack pants on. This thing is relatively close to a sensitive area. Um, nails me through, and and I'm telling you, boys, I've been I've been hit by bees and and a lot of things, but this thing hurt like I've never hurt from an. And, and so I jump up on the air. Here comes the pitch. Holy! What the? I mean, I, I'm running around. The, the press box going, what has happened here? And I look down and I see this hornet. So I take my hat off and start trying to kill the hornet while Jamie's talking on the air, my color guy. And then I didn't know if I was allergic or not. So I went to the back steps, you know, you can go up high, Wyatt, right? I can get to where nobody can see me, take the pants down, see that there's a hole in my leg. I come back out the next half inning, another hornet comes in there. And I take my headset off, and you can hear me bludgeoning this wasp hornet <laughs> in the corner. It's just wham, wham, wham. I mean, it got personal really quickly, right? And you can hear in the call, Jay, I said, Jamie, take over. I'm, I'm, this thing's not getting me again. And uh, it, 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 the, the venom of that thing uh, tore a hole in my leg pretty good. That was humiliating, but people loved it. They, they got me in a, a huge replica hornet, like the rally hornet, because after I got stung, we got better, and the game got going in our direction. Good <laughs> like, grief. Go. Brian Haney. That's a tough act to follow. 
you know, in my early 20s, I had a chance to fill in for Hank Booth as the PA announcer at Allen Fieldhouse, the most hallowed ground in college hoops. And here I am, 23 years old, trying not to screw up. And one night on Mario Chalmers' debut, I called him Super Mario Chalmers, to which Self looks down the press row and gives me the throat slash, don't give players nicknames. Nobody saw or heard that, though, right, until Gary Bedore wrote about it in the paper the next day. But the more embarrassing moment came the next year when I'm filling in and I get horrible laryngitis 24 hours before the game. I'm trying all the tricks, hot tea, honey, singer saving grace, the throat spray. But I, I got to go. The show must go on. You got to press through. And so Russell Robinson was a famous player for us. You guys remember he was from New York. And Hank Booth would say, from New York, and the whole crowd would go, New York. And so I'm, I'm grinding through like we all do when we have voice issues, but it's time to belt out the New York, New York Sinatra style, only it comes out of my mouth and my voice cracks like a prepubescent kid, high-pitched squeal over the PA for 16,300. I've never been so embarrassed in my life. <laughs> I'll have that. Wyatt. Mine is pretty embarrassing. Very first job in the metropolis that is Goodland, Kansas. I'm reading some news and information on the air. And instead of saying candy stripers, I said candy strippers. Yes. Once it's out there, you can't get it back. Uh, that, was, that was my first gig. I was about a month into my career. And I still have a couple of people that remind me about it about once or twice a year, yeah. all these years later. Now you have 10. Craig? In a word, hiccups. Oh. Uh, Non-conference basketball game, this was probably seven or eight years ago. Uh, this was like in December. And we're uh, early in the first half, and it just – comes up on me and you know top of the arc pass to the other side and he put and, and it just started and I couldn't I couldn't shake it and it was going and it was front I get to the timeout then of course you wouldn't you wouldn't hiccup during the timeout come back and wait till game action was going yeah. on and it was just so so incredibly helpless and frustrating and and my phone's blowing up dude you got the hiccups all these people are doing this we get to halftime I race into the press room going, I got to find something. I'm just shoving anything into my mouth. And um, lemon bars found out, did it. Whatever it was, it was lemon bars that ultimately helped. But it's the most helpless feeling in the world. Can't get rid of them. In the middle of doing basketball play-by-play -play of all things. Yeah. Who's had big stomach issues? That happened to me at Norman a couple of years ago. And I told Holcomb, we went to media timeout right before minute media in the first half. I said, dude, I got a high-low split going on. I'm out. <laughs> I said, I don't know when I'll be back. Lord willing, I will be back. But I, you know what? There's, there's lots going on and none of it's good. And, uh, oh. and psh, I was gone. Through most of you. halftime, came back. It's like, hey, rock and roll. It's like, you're going to leave again. It's like, that's in the Lord's hands. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know I who's had that, but that's just stellar. Let me tell you. That's about had twice one of in the, my career. It's like, oh, no, not good. Anybody yeah, else go through that? One of the uh, rolling chairs got me in, in Lubbock baseball booth. Uh, they, <laughs> they've got – they got rolling chairs in there, and one of our guys hit a long drive, and I scooted up in my chair, and it went right out from under me, yep. and I landed Ooh. flat on my tail in the I'm middle so of guilty. a call. Yeah, we yeah. should put a sign up. My uh, my most embarrassing moment came. I got five thousand, but was I was in college, and I went to school at Syracuse, and Syracuse played at Nebraska. This was the Turner Gill Mike Rozier team that played for the national championship and went for the two instead of kicking the extra point against Miami. So these guys were unbelievable. They ended up beating Syracuse that day, 63 to seven. The running option, we were on literally on the roof of uh, Memorial Stadium in Lincoln. So you're way up there, no binoculars. I got so flustered. I thought like Turner Gill had the ball on a keep, but instead Mike Rozier, I would see 50 yards down the field and I was calling Turner Gill going that side. I got so flustered, the clock stopped with two minutes to go in the second quarter, and I said, and now they've stopped the clock for the two-minute warning. And I went. <laughs> so that was, uh, it was uh, a month of, one, of, one of many. Okay, here we go. Uh, next question is, I like this question. I don't know which one of you guys sent it in. If you could go back 
in history in broadcast any game of all time, which game would you have liked to be the broadcaster on? You could broadcast any one game, historic game or whatever. What game would you broadcast? And since you guys all look puzzled and confused, just raise your hand when the first persons have the answer. Okay, Are tell you talking me about you one got. of our games? What, one of our university's games? Doesn't have to be. No, it could be any game in the history of sport. Okay. Maybe something would, from the Roman Coliseum, something like that. That would be fun. I would, uh, I would pick uh, Reggie versus the New York Knicks. I am a, a giant Indiana Pacers fan and was an even bigger Reggie Miller fan. And that day when he had eight points in 15 seconds to beat the Knicks, uh, that would be a blast. Yeah, absolutely. John Walters. Probably the 85 Bears Super Bowl growing up in Chicago. It uh, just would have been a blast to, to call that one and see, uh, see the Bears win that championship and get to call that. Yeah. Brian Haney. I think I'd love to go back and call Mario's miracle in the 2008 national title game. And I love Chris Piper, but his excitement drowned out Bob Davis's call. So when we got <laughs> to that point, I'd let BD slide in and actually stick the landing like I know he would have when that ball goes through the net. Yeah, mute the color guy's mic. It's always a good rule. Dave Hunziker, who are you doing? You know what? Probably, I know I'm, I'm a Cardinal fan, but I loved Hank Aaron as a kid. I'd say when he set the record against the Dodgers in 1974, I, I would love to have done that. I remember watching it. My dad called us in from outside playing catch so we could watch it on Monday Night Baseball. That, that one's pretty special. Oh, that's awesome. John Morris, what would you like to do? If it was Baylor, it'd be Baylor, Texas, 1974. Miracle on the Brazos came from 24-7 down to win that game. Other than that, Toby, you can relate to this. I think a uh, big Reds fan growing up in Kentucky, so maybe a Reds game, the 75-76 World Series would be fun. Jeff Haxton, Texas Machine. Tech. May 1st, 1991, Nolan Ryan's last hitter is seventh against Toronto. Struck out 16. Nolan Ryan's my favorite baseball player of all time. Huge Texas Ranger fan growing up in southwestern Oklahoma. That would be magical. TCU's Brian Estridge. You know, I'm not an NBA fan, but I would love to have been on the call when Ron Artest went into the stands swinging. <laughs> uh, no, I think, I, I think I'd, call, I'd love to call. I'm not a hockey guy either. Can't do hockey play-by-play. Play. Uh, but I would love to call the, the uh, U.S. win in the 80 Olympics. You just stole would, mine. I think that would have been cool. Yeah. yeah. Outstanding. Wyatt. Well, I'm, a, I'm like Hunziker. I'm a, I'm a big baseball guy. I'm a big Cardinal guy. So probably any Cardinal game, but more than likely, I would pick any of the games that Bob Gibson pitched in 68. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the single most dominant performance by a major league pitcher in any season ever. Um, there's a point where I read this recently. He had 12 starts in June and July, 12 complete games, eight shutouts. So take your pick. He yeah. gave up six runs in those 12 starts. That's crazy. And they were an hour and a half long, too. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah my, my second choice would have been Gibby's no-hitter in 71, the only one he had. That was exactly. number two on my list. Yeah. Craig Way, you're up. Well, if you're doing baseball along Immortal Greats from the 60s, that would do Sandy Koufax. I'm a Dodger fan. Sandy Koufax, game seven, 65 uh, series against the Twins, going on two days rest. He pitches a two-hit shutout. But Cal Stanford. Cal Stanford, 1982. Uh, just to have the opportunity to call that, oh, the man is all on the field. But to do that would be would be incredible. Yeah, that's, that's a good. I didn't even think about that one, Craig. That's a great one. Few description yeah. of few description opportunities in that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. All right. So one of you so, guys, when you play Stanford, I do this. I just randomly walk in. It's like, oh, the band is out on the field whenever we play Stanford, just because. I don't know, you guys. It just feels right. I don't know why I do it, but ask Holcomb. I just do it because I want to. Well, you know, all... random random story about, uh, you know, uh, Hacks brought up uh, Nolan Ryan's seventh no-hitter. Uh, at the time, I was working at KRLD in Dallas, and we did a daily Ranger report, and you'd go out to the uh, go out to the uh, ballpark on your credential, and after the game, we'd get in, in those days, uh, Bobby Valentine's office to record it for the next day. And uh, so it was my turn in the rotation to do it that day. Day happened to be the 30th birthday of my best friend uh, Alex Lorenz, and we'd we'd uh, in college gone to many Ranger games. That night, we go out. We're in the bleachers uh, that game with 
a group of fans. I had my tape recorder with me and my credential because after the game, I'm going to go down and say goodbye to them, go down and record the, uh, the, the Ranger report for the next day. Well, it gets to about the sixth inning, and I turn him and I said, I got to leave you guys. I got to get around there. I got to be in position. And I went around after the sixth and found a seat four rows from the field between home plate and first base the last three innings there for Nolan pitching that no-hitter against Toronto, then raced out on the field. Made a whole bunch of money uh, freelance tonight, sending audio out to uh, all the various national radio networks. But that that was the unforgettable night that the Hacks referred to, May 1st, 1991. Yeah, interesting. Next question, fellas. So if anyone is still listening, I don't know. Maybe they are, maybe they're not. Chances are, if they are, they may be someone who wants to do this for a living, an aspiring broadcaster. So in about, in about 20 to 30 seconds, if someone comes to you and says, I want to be a play-by-play announcer, give me your elevator pitch spiel as to what they should do then. Dave Hunziger, you're a teacher. Well, two things. Master the English language. Read, write. You can only ad-lib as well as you can write because it's writing in your head. And number two is do something performance-wise. Even young, get on stage, perform. Even if you don't have a mic and you're on the air, do something where you have to be perform and uh, be in front of people. No, oh, those are fantastic pieces of advice right there. Brian Estridge, what do you got? You know, I'm all about reps. I think you just got to do game after game after game after game and be willing to do them in tough places too. You know, too many times we have college kids who come up to us and want to do games and they do it from our press box with our media notes, with everything handed to them, with air conditioning and all that. No, go do it from the top of a high school bus where you don't have the roster. Uh, go, go do those games. That's when you get better. Oh, absolutely. John Walters, what do you tell them? I tell every student I've ever talked to, read The Art of Sportscasting from Tom Hedrick, former Kansas professor. It's a great how-to book on how to broadcast. And then uh, following up on what Dave said, I minored in speech at Drake, and I think that was a great minor to get comfortable being up in front of people and talking because part of your job is going to be addressing big crowds and pep rallies and things like that, and you got to get over that stage fright somehow. So that's a, a good way to do it. Yeah, very good. John Morris, what do you tell him? Practical experience. Just find ways to, to get reps, to get experience, uh, talk into a tape recorder, go back and listen to it, watch a game on TV and call it yourself. Anything like that that you can do to get experience. That's the thing. Yep. Uh, Brian Haney. More props. This is the book. Props. This is the Bible. Oh, no. <laughs> My mentor, Tom Hedrick, the art of sports casting. On top of that, though, I love what Hunziker said. Debate and forensics for me in high school gave me a leg up in terms of public speaking. I did a lot of oratory oration speeches and forensics, which is basically selling a point on someone like we do in sports talk radio. That gave me a huge leg up. But lastly, Ryan Rosillo once said, when you're an intern or a young kid coming up through the ranks, always say yes. Because the first time you say no to that graveyard shift or that fill-in opportunity, they're going to ask the next guy. And who do you think they're going to ask first the following opportunity? The guy that said yes. Well, that's yeah. a great piece of advice, too. Jeff Haney just took my number one, which is mine was never say no. And I know so many people that have a lot of talent that said, hey, I've told them I've got an emergency fill-in opportunity for you. Can you do it? And they say no, and you don't ever go back to them. I would say be ready to be the toughest son of a gun around. Uh, you're going to have to be tougher than the other guy or girl to make it in this business and just have that confidence in yourself. You're going to have to develop confidence in yourself because if you don't have it in yourself, nobody else is going to have it for you. You have to have that ability to be as confident of a person as you can to take you as far as you can go. Wyatt Thompson, what do you tell him? Well, pretty similar to what most of the guys are saying, to be honest, Tony. I, I think repetition and, and as many games as you can do early on. I tell all of the young people, if you're doing this to be rich and or famous, go be a dentist or a, or a doctor or something because the chances aren't great. And yet it's a fabulous profession. I've loved it for 40 plus years. So do all you can. And like those guys said, don't say no, say yes. Be willing to do something that you're not comfortable with. Maybe it is production. Maybe it's a newscast. Whatever. Do all of it. News, weather. It will make, it will make you better. Yeah. I guarantee it. Absolutely. John Morris. I've already gone. I'll pass. No, I, I'm, 
That's you want okay. Me? <laughs> How about Dr. Craig Way? Uh, it, it's kind of a follow-up to what Wyatt said and also what the two Brian said uh, about working a lot. And um, I know millennials get a lot of rap for a lot of things, uh, sometimes unfairly. But one thing that I have encountered when I have spoken to uh, high school or college students is they're wanting to know how much money can they make and how soon can I get on SportsCenter and those kinds of things. And what I tell them is similar to what Wyatt and, and also uh, what the other guys have said, uh, you know, uh, you're not getting into the business to get rich, that's for sure. And I, and I always tell them, don't be afraid to work for free. I mean, there's some stuff you're going to have to do for free, you know, whether you go out and cover a game or bring some tape back or helping out a radio station or whatever, you might not get anything for it, but you know, you might get just a little bit, but don't let that shape what your drive should be. Just think of it as getting reps to try to get better. Absolutely. Toby. I would ditto everything you guys said. One piece, uh, one thing I heard early in my career that helped was uh, Vince Scully did a podcast and he was talking about his first year with the Brooklyn Dodgers that the Red Barber came in after a game one day and just ripped him up one side and down the other. And he said, uh, you know, what's the problem? And Red said, would you quit trying to be someone else? I hired you to be Vin Scully. And I think it's really easy to try to act like someone else when you first start in this business. Yes. And if you're going to be successful in this business, you're going to have to be authentic you're going to have to be yourself. You're going to, to get there by being you. And uh, that was hard. That was a, a, a good lesson for me. And I think it's a good lesson for all young broadcasters. Tony, can I get a quick amendment real quick? Sure. Um, don't be afraid to work in a small market. There, there's so many students that I run into that don't want to leave a bigger place because they're afraid that if they leave the bigger place, they'll never get back to it. You all said it. Reps is what you're going to get in a small market hundreds of them so don't be afraid to do that especially if you're right out of college don't be afraid to go to a little market yep. and by the way tony there's some really good advice for brian haney and all of those in his search for the mrs haney you know uh, i mean it, there was a lot of that in my favorite line though for brian to use is don't say no say yes <laughs> Brian, take that and use that in your search for the Mrs. Haney, okay? Uh, that'd be the best oration speech ever, Brian. Thanks a lot. Yes. Hey, uh, Tony, have, have, because I had a little technical difficulty getting on, did you guys already do diners, drive-ins, and dives of the Big 12? Uh, I'm going to get there. I'm going to do – uh, yeah, we'll do one we'll, – uh, we'll get to food in a second. Um, <laughs> this might make some – this is always gets people interested, and that's conference expansion. Guys – if the league were to become the big 12 in number, having 12 schools, not the current 10, which two schools would you invite? Which two schools would you bring in if the league would ever do go to 12 again? Who wants it first? I'll take it. Go right ahead. Louisville and Nebraska. Okay. They might be tied up right now. Are you talking about teams that are already affiliated with other leagues, Tony? Or are you talking about, I mean, one realistic ones or no? Yeah, let's go realistic. Let's go okay. somewhere. Arizona, Arizona State. Okay, so you're 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 saying there's impending doom for the Pac-12. Yes. Okay, that's fine. Okay, got it. Brian, you got any schools? I mean, you've been in 13 leagues and one. School. Exactly. I've got the shirt <laughs> to show it for it as well. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm thinking more along the lines of of guys that would be willing to to make that jump. And one of them will make Wyatt happy. One of them I would say is Colorado State. Uh, I, I would add Colorado State. I think it's a great market. I think it's a, you know, a school that's got a lot of potential. They got a great new stadium, by the way, that's, that's uh, beautiful. But I'm just thinking about teams that would actually make the move. And I, and I worry about stealing them from those other power five leagues. I don't know if that's going to happen. If it would, hey, let's do it. You know, I'm all for adding teams like that. But if not, if you're looking for teams that are going to move up, then I think I would say um, Colorado State and Central Florida just because of the two markets. Okay. Wyatt, what do you got? Well, that's a pretty good point that he made. And I, uh, based on that, I think you have to probably look at, a, a, say, a Cincinnati uh, as one example. Uh, I am a little bit prejudiced from my time before uh, about Colorado State and Fort Collins. It's a fabulous school. It, it has a lot of similarities to K-State. Oklahoma State, Iowa State. I think it'd be a pretty good fit for the Big 12, to be real honest with you. Okay, Toby, you got two? 
I would still try to wrestle Nebraska back in. I desperately miss the Oklahoma-Nebraska rivalry. And uh, purely on a food basis, uh, Memphis. <laughs> yeah, I would love to uh, hit Beale Street once or twice Good or three call. times a year. Yeah, Good call. I get it. I get it. Uh, Craig, who are you bringing in? Uh, Power Five Pipe Dream, Texas A&M and Arkansas. Uh, have them back in it, but if if uh, if failing that, probably Cincinnati and Memphis would probably be uh, the the two that I would think of. Okay, JMO. I don't think it's happening, but I'd love to have uh, Nebraska back. Uh, be fun. I love the trips there. I'd love to have Colorado back. Uh, always love the trips to Boulder and miss those. I don't think either of those are happening. Uh, so I'd go with Hacks, Arizona, and Arizona State. Makes a lot of sense. Brian. I love the Colorado State pick. I think Joe Parker's a tremendous AD, brand new $210 million football stadium, awesome town. I miss Boulder, so this is the next best thing. Let's get CSU in here. And then I, I think Memphis is a great call as well. We just did a football game there three years ago. Getting to try some of that uh, barbecue and hit up Beale Street once a year would be fabulous. Dave Hunziker. I'm going to get myself in big trouble with my alma mater, but I'll just do it anyway. At what point does Missouri realize that maybe this SEC thing wasn't such a good idea? Uh, I think that's I think that's the one you got to get back. I'm not sure that's quite working out for them the way they would like. I'm about to get absolutely destroyed by my college roommates. That's okay. I'm a big boy. I can take it. Uh, I, I think at some point maybe they realize, you know what, maybe we need to go back. And then second, you know, to give West Virginia a good travel partner, Cincinnati makes sense to me. Okay, thanks. John Walters. Yeah, I'm kind of partial to the old Big Eight as well. I'd love to. I love the trips to Boulder. I'd love to have Colorado back in, and then I'll leave it up to Nebraska and Missouri to see which one can humble itself to admit it made a mistake and come back. Whichever one of those comes first. Okay. I like it. I'm going to bring two teams uh, from the East Coast time zone since West Virginia is the only team right now on East Coast time. So I heard Central Florida. I'd go with Central Florida. Uh, I'd go either a Cincinnati or a Memphis. Either one of those two. Um, I'd be good. Uh, I'd be good with that. All right, guys. Um, next up, let's do a little food. Dr. Way, I'm going to let you make the call here as far as diners, drives in all of your Big 12 travels. Let our folks that are listening know what's the absolute must place to attend for great food. Uh, breakfast or dinner? Whatever you not. Whatever you want. You call it. Okay, uh, breakfast, uh, if you're in Lubbock, obviously the Pancake House is an absolute must. Yeah. Uh, in, uh, in Iowa, I like the Yankee Diner uh, just south of Ames. I like that. Uh, West Virginia, it's got to be Tudor's Biscuit World. You have to do that. <laughs> Old South Pancake House in Fort Worth is always uh, an unmistakable option. Uh, yeah. in, uh, in Manhattan, you can either go with the chef, which is great, but it's small and it's crowded a lot. So you, got, you hit early edition if you have to do... Uh, that and uh, what am I leaving out in Lawrence? Uh, oh, they do have a um, they have a first watch in Lawrence, which is which is pretty good. Harold Waits Pancake House in Baylor in Waco is is a uh, good call uh, there. Did I leave anybody out? No, I tell you what, you're a heavy pancake guy. That's what we just have very heavy pancake. <laughs> Variety guy. of options on a lot of those. Yeah. Tudor's Biscuit World. You got to get the politician, which is. Egg, cheese, and a, lot, and a big hunk of bologna and a biscuit. Yeah, you get a, you get a biscuit there and two free stents as well. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, Wyatt, where are we eating? This is going to really surprise all of you, I think, to be honest about it. I will pick Eskimo Joe's in Stillwater. Hey. And, here, and here, here's why. You will not believe Oh, it. we got a thumbs down over there. In 18 years, I've never been there one time, not once. <laughs> is that possible? I'm with sure you. It is. Yeah, absolutely. And, oh, by the way, I left Stillwater out on breakfast. Shouldn't do that. You could either hit just one or Red Rock that has the great bear claws. That's, that's tremendous, dude. Yeah. John Walters, where are you eating, buddy? Uh, the hotel bar, wherever it is. I'm the wrong guy to ask because Hep and I do, <laughs> we don't drift very far, but we love Razoo's down in Fort Worth, man. I'd go with that. Okay, so you're not a food guy. Dave Hunziger. Oh, Hickory Park in Ames. I love that place. Upper Midwest, <laughs> old school. Oh, yeah, that's I'm all over that. Okay, good deal. J-Mo. 
That's a good call. Hickory Park's great. I would say a place that just closed, uh, and shout me down on this if you need to, but I always loved the 50-yard line in Lubbock. Going yeah. back to yeah. Southwest Conference Press Tour. I know, I know. They're gone. Yeah. So, uh, gone but not forgotten, the 50-yard line. Uh, can I include Kansas City here? Can sure. I say uh, sure. Joe's Barbecue in Kansas City? Oh, absolutely. We absolutely. hit that when we go there. Absolutely. Brian Haney, what are you eating? Hey, if this is a bracket, the number one of one seeds is George's in Waco, Texas. There you go. Crazy Wings, which is a chicken ball with cheese and a pepper in the middle wrapped in bacon. It's like 3,000 calories per bite, mouth-watering stuff, a schooner beer the size of your head. Pat Green wrote a song about that place. <laughs> George's in Waco. Okay. There you go. Toby. Breakfast, uh, the Grove Cafe in Ames. And is it the Paris Cafe, Brian, in Fort Worth? Yep. Is that what it's called? Paris Coffee Shop. Paris Coffee Shop. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And then uh, there's a greasy spoon called Double R Burgers in Waco. That is <laughs> fantastic. Double R is great. And just outside of Waco, Waco's a good food town. The uh, uh, Kalachis at Slovacek's in West yeah. Texas are a good call. Good call. Jeff Haxton. Our resident fat guy, I got a few things. Um, the woodshed, am I bad for liking the woodshed, Brian? No, you're okay. The guy's a good guy to run the Tim Lowe. Okay. Yeah. I, I like the woodshed. That's been good to us over there, except for last year. So now we'll be going someplace different since we lost in Fort Worth. I'm a big pizza guy, and I, as you know about my addiction to uh, hideaway pizza in Stillwater, um, it's my favorite place on earth and the barbecue beef pizza there. If it was last meal time, they said, here's your last meal. I don't want anything but a hideaway barbecue beef pizza. And I like going to Minsky's. I don't know about you, Haney. I like, I like Minsky's pizza. And then Q39 in Kansas city has knocked my socks off continually. I just think they're serving a high line of barbecue there at Q39. All right. Well, Every time I've gone to eat with Brian Estridge, he has never steered me wrong. He is... Hey, food awesome. connoisseur. What do you got, Brian? Well, and you, and you saved me there for the end because you know that I'm going to go to West Virginia, Fairmont, uh, and uh, I, I, Muriel's is is one of the best Italian places I've ever been. I love the atmosphere. I love the food. I love everything about it. So that would be that would be high on my list in this league. Good deal. I had uh, now check me with this, guys. I had the best barbecue I've ever had in my life at the end of the regular season in Austin. I told Craig about this. Valentina's is a Tex-Mex barbecue place off four lane road that basically is a permanent food truck. It was off the chart. And I am incredibly picky when it comes to food. It was, you guys got to do it. So next time you get to Austin, eight to 10 miles away. Valentina's. Yeah, it was, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, Ryan, a couple more, one more here or so, and I appreciate you guys. Yeah, because you might want to save something for for episode two. Well, well <laughs> that's that's a whole nother story. Um, here's the last one. I want to do a basketball question, similar to our football question earlier. You're down by one point. There's seven seconds to go in the game. Your team's inbounding the ball at midcourt. Down one, you're inbounding the ball at midcourt. Which current Big 12 coach, besides the one that you work with, do you pick to call that last play? Which coach do you pick in the Big 12 to call your side court inbounds play down one with, what did I say, seven seconds to go? Dave Hunsicker. Absolutely, and no offense to anybody else, but out of situations, out of timeouts, out of any situation like this, there, Bill Self may be as good as anyone that's coached yeah. in the last quarter century. He is yeah. money, especially out of timeouts. So Scary. assuming a timeout, Bill Self, without question. John Walters. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's Bill Self. Although, if I'm defending, I've got Bruce Weber, particularly if he is the sixth defender in that 3-3 three, three zone <laughs> that they like to play. Hacks, <laughs> <laughs> what do you got? I'm gonna go long Kruger. Uh, I think Bill's the easy answer here, but I love the experience and just the way lawn coaches. Okay, good deal. Brian Haney, who's your guy? 
Yeah, I think we got the best one, obviously, but since I can't pick Coach Self, and this has nothing to do with my previous employer, but I think Chris Beard is amazing, and I think he's building a juggernaut down there, so he'd be my pick if I couldn't pick Self. Okay. J-Mo? I'll take the easy answer. I'd go Bill Self. Okay. Plain and simple. Craig Way? Yeah. Uh, well, that one makes a lot of sense, but I'll tell you what, I might go with Hugs just in case whoever missed the shot, I could hear, you know, Hugs just go – ballistic afterwards so it would be worth it just for that <laughs> or chances with a putback yeah chances yeah. are if he misses the shot you're going to get the rebound anyway toby rowland yeah. i only get the head coach bill self but i get the entire coaching staff chris beard because surely he and his 18 assistant coaches can come up with a good play <laughs> <laughs> Wyatt, who are you going with well, I do want to say first that I, I agree with the assessment that Weber would be in on the play uh, in a six-man <laughs> rotation, and he would be in his stance. There's no doubt about yes. that. <laughs> I think the easy answer here is obviously Bill Self, but I liked, in all honesty, the, the Beard pick and the Kruger picks. In a league that is full of great coaches, yes, it is. Uh, if, if those guys are the second and third options and Hugs is fourth, we have really good jobs, fellas. How's that? Yeah, that's pretty political for you. That's pretty good. Very good. Very good. Very good. Brian, you know what else, guys, is Lon's NBA experience late game. That's a huge advantage because you know that those guys function in those situations. You know, so with that NBA background, that's that's solid. Yeah. Brian, what do you got? Kim Mulkey, easy. (laughs) (laughs) No, it it would be Bill Self. Bill Self. I mean, by far. I mean, he he has the greatest inbounds plays. I mean, he just gets it in easy every time on us. Yeah. I would agree with you. Not only can he X's and O Bill Self out of the inbound, chances are he'll get the foul call. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Good point. Is the game in Lawrence? Yeah. Because then that'll, it's definitely Bill Self. Yeah, that'll, yeah. That'll, that'll help you, too. That's a double-tiered uh, thing. All right, boys. I think we've heard enough people's heads uh, that we can in this uh, lot of time. As we said when we started off, folks, if you're still with us, uh, we, we truly do get along. We've got a great uh, group of guys here in the Big 12 Conference. It's been absolutely fantastic. Uh, Brian and I have been a part of it now for just eight years. Yep. And the rest of these guys have been along. So we sincerely appreciate you guys tuning in. Thanks for uh, Learfield IMG uh, for helping us put this thing together. Stay safe, stay healthy, and hopefully in the not-too-distant future, we see each other up close and personal playing sports again. So thanks for being with us. Thank you, guys. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. Be safe. You bet. Enjoyed it. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.